0: Good morning, Valley family. Thank you for joining us on the Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Day. Uh, it's going to look like a fortress in here of shoeboxes uh, before we're done at noon. At the end of our service, toward the end, we'll have all the kids come in uh, from Valley Kids Elementary and we'll be blessing those boxes. Thank you for taking the time to do it. I understand some folks packed over 100 uh, and uh, just just really amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Every one of these boxes represents a child, boy or girl, that, that is going to tangibly receive uh, and experience the love of Jesus Christ uh, this holiday. So we're so, uh, so honored to be a part. I think it's almost 15 years that we've been doing this, maybe more than that, maybe closer to 20 here at, uh, at Valley. Uh, it's kind of a little uh, funny. I feel a little rusty. I got through the nine o'clock service, I haven't preached in two weeks. And uh, Susie and I was at a pastors' retreat uh, two weeks ago, and then last week we're, we're at with this meeting with international Christian leaders uh, from all over the world, quite literally. And and I do want to say, uh, you're not going to hear this on CNN, you're not going to hear it on Fox News or MSNBC. But Christianity is growing like wildfire around the globe right now. Absolutely fantastic. I think that's worth clapping about for sure. I'm talking about places, and, and this isn't just uh, like a uh, conjecture. These are actual leaders from Pakistan, India, Afghanistan, Cambodia. I, I mean, places like you would, especially in the Middle East as well, where we're literally not just, you know, 100 here, 100 there, but tens of thousands of people are receiving Jesus Christ every single day. And uh, just absolutely mind-blowing. I think we should call the nightly news. Let's just call it for what it's worth. It's always the bad news, right? It's never good news. It's always the bad news, Uh, but we're all about the good news, and that is the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ and making a difference in this world. Uh, That's why we're here, and that's why this matters uh, so much. So so this is week number four in in our series called Warrior, where we're looking at some of these uh, high points uh, in the book of Joshua and realizing that it's a pattern, really, that God wants us to be uh, warriors as well, not in a violent physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, uh, and 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 so uh, week number four, Pastor Randy did a great job last week, I thought, uh, and talking about the Battle of Jericho and this crazy strategy that that God gave to the Israelites on how to conquer this city with these fortified walls. Now, what I want to do today is this is going to be a prequel to Jericho, all right? So into prequels, like that's kind of the thing now, all kinds of movies of prequels. Uh, And and so this is the prequel because I want to just go back and backtrack and spend a little time on this this particular thing that happened uh, with Joshua because it really set the tone for the battle of Jericho, the victory over Jericho. Had this not happened, this encounter that that Joshua has, then then Jericho would never have been won. Joshua probably wouldn't have followed the strategy. But but Joshua comes face to face with this this person, this persona, and, and it changes everything. Uh, has anything like that ever happened to you before? Have you ever like thought you were like, maybe this is going to be a big moment in your life and, and it turned out to be much, much bigger than you thought? Or, or maybe you didn't, do, you're just going about your business and like, boom, it's like this, it just changes the trajectory of your life. Uh, that, that happened to me personally uh, 35 years ago. Thirty-five years ago, uh, Susie and I had our first date ever, and it was my last first date. Uh, Thirty-five years ago, and uh, uh, after I scraped together money and uh, took her out to ice cream, I had to borrow money to just go to ice cream, get ice cream. We we came back to our campus where we were uh, going to college there in Pensacola, Florida, and we were swinging on a swing on campus. And uh, she turned to me and she goes, "Williamson," like she just called me Williamson, like that just that that was it just like Williamson and she calls me a lot of other things now but I ain't telling you what they are but anyway uh she said Williamson tell me what are your thoughts on the eve of your 20th birthday because tomorrow's my birthday by the way uh and uh and that was 35 years ago as well thank you and she said she said tell me your thoughts on the eve of your 20th birthday and, and I, I just tried to, like, say something to fill the awkward silence because I didn't know what my thoughts were. And, and what I said was, what are my thoughts? With you, I feel like I'm stumbling into my destiny. Man, I had game. I had game. I'm telling you. I, I had game. And, and it was really, and, and that was very true. I just felt like, like, I was surprised she even said yes to go out with me, to be honest with you, uh, because she just broke hearts left and right all over campus. There's so many guys I like, literally, like, they're crying on my shoulder, you, you know, because uh, she's like, no, 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 no. But, but uh, after that first date, uh, and, and I, I, my last first kiss was two days after that. See, I remember that too. She gave me one backstage here, too. It is still pew, uh, like lightning down through my toes. But, uh, but we talked about it and, and uh, a couple months later, and we both knew in that moment, 35 years ago today, that we'd spend the rest of our life together until death do us part. And, and so I thought it was going to be a, a, an important moment, but ended up being a huge moment in my life, in our life together. And I do want to say this, and, and, you know, just to echo what Susie says, we love y'all so much. We really do. I've been away for two weeks. I was here for two days in between. And uh, we, we just love you. We, and, and, and it just seems like I don't have enough words to kind of frame that, the way that, that it's really in, in our hearts. And, in, in, you know, that God planted us here. We're just, we're very grateful for that. So, so, thank you. So, so, uh, Joshua, he has this encounter. Like, he, it may be a moment, but but he thinks it could be. A, but this is like this huge, huge moment that he experiences. And it changes everything. And that's what I want to look at. Just a couple of passages and then unpack them. That he encounters this general. And, and this dialogue that he has with this general. And, and so, remember this is the prequel before. The, the victory over Jericho. Let's look at in Joshua chapter 5, uh, and it says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, so this is before the battle happens, maybe a couple days before. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword. So, so it's not a warrior. This guy has got his sword out and ready to use it. Drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. Let's just stop right there for a minute. In our world that wants to draw lines everywhere, are you for us or are you against us? Do you agree with me or do you hate me? If you don't agree with all my opinions, then you hate me. Our world wants to divide, 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 constantly over everything. Are you for us or are you against us? Joshua says that to this strange being Are you for us or against us? And he's like, There's a third option. I'm neither. And it's crazy when we realize who this is that he's talking to, who Joshua is talking to. This is a crazy, mind-blowing, reframing answer. Are you for us or are you against us? Neither. Neither, he replied. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua is the commander over all of Israel. And he goes, are you for us or against us? And he's like, neither. Are you for Jericho are you for Israel? Neither. I've come as the commander of the army of the Lord. And it goes on and says, then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. Joshua is is kind of like back in this place where he had been before. 40 years before, Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to spy out the land of, of, of Canaan. And of the 12 spies, only two of them came back with a positive report, Joshua and Caleb. And and God was so disappointed in the nation of Israel. The other 10 spies were like, you know, it is a land filled with milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. And, and, And there's so much good there. However, you know what? There are also giants in the land. And we're really just like grasshoppers. And and the Lord was so disappointed with the response of Israel that literally said, okay, every one of you is gonna die in the wilderness. Because instead of believing in me, instead of trusting in me, God said, you decided to just embrace fear instead. And so 40 years have gone by. And here is Joshua now in the same place once again. And he's overlooking Jericho. I, I wonder what was going through his mind. You know, he's thinking about people, friends of his that are now dead and gone. Joshua was about 80 years old at this point. He's thinking about, I think, probably the promises that God has made. And that for four decades, he has not seen anything happen. The needle hasn't moved for four decades, but he is still held to the faith in God's promises. And, and he's overlooking Jericho. And he's wondering, how in the world are we going to defeat this this literally this city with these huge, huge fortified walls. And then he sees this strange being, and he goes, with a sword drawn, which, you know, was like immediately like, that, that's a, a, an aggressive act. A warrior would never pull the sword out of a sheath unless they were going to use it. And he goes, are you for me or are you against me? And this warrior goes, you got it all wrong. This isn't about whose side am I on. The real question is, are you on my side? Are you on my side? Completely reframes this us against them mindset that is so prevalent, so many people have in the world today. Are you with us or are you against us? He's like, neither one. And so he says that this place where you're standing, this is holy ground. I think Joshua remembers the warning that was given to the nation of Israel 40 years earlier Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, when, the, when he went in as a spy, it says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Joshua is surveying Jericho again, 40 years later. A whole generation ha- has, has gone, a new generation has been born. And he remembers all of this. And he also remembers God and, 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 in a sense, had to, because of their embracing of fear instead of walking in faith, God had to allow a whole generation to be removed, to plant a new generation that would actually step into all the promises that God had made. And he looks up and he remembers what God had said all the way back then, 40 years ago. In essence, what God said, and I think it's a good word for you and for me today as well, fear is rebellion. Do not rebel by being afraid. What is it that God's called you to? What is the purpose that he created you for? What is the dream that he put in your heart, his dream that he put in your heart? Don't don't rebel against him by embracing fear instead of walking in faith. That's why it was so, and I wanted to share that with you about what we experienced uh, really this past week down in Dallas at that international conference. That, that, that really there's so much that God is doing that you don't hear about. We came back so inspired. I'm gonna try to stay in my time of preaching uh, today. So inspired, so fired up to hear the amazing things that God is doing literally all around the world today. Huge, huge things. Fear is rebellion. Do not rebel by being afraid. Joshua chapter 5, verse 14, I love it when he asks, uh, in New King James Version, when he says, are you for us or against us? And and Joshua replies, nay. I'm I'm sorry, the angel of the Lord replies, nay. But as the captain of the host of the Lord, now I come. Kind of sounds like a horse, right? Nay, you know, but this was no horse. This is the captain of the armies of the Lord. And what I want to do is just unpack now this one passage here. Because I, I think there's, there's three lessons that, that we can really learn from this passage, this prequel to the Battle of Jericho. Three lessons from Joshua's encounter with this general. And I want to start with the most theological point, really, or lesson, and then boil it down when we get to point three, the most practical one, I think, for you and for me today, that, that we can really take with us, that we need to take with us. Because this experience changed Joshua's life Forever this experience that he had with this general. And, and I believe with everything in me that, that today God wants you and I to experience his presence in a way that, that might just change the trajectory of our lives as well. We, this, this is a moment, but this might actually be a bigger moment than any of us realize if we'll just open our hearts up and, and hear and listen to what it is that God wants to say to each of us individually today and also as a church family today. So so here's the first point, the most theological of them all, and, and it's this, the general, this was actually Jesus in the Old Testament. This was actually Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The Bible makes it really clear, and a lot of times Christians are confused about this. They think that Jesus just came into being when Mary gave birth to him, and that's completely wrong and contradicts the teachings of Scripture. John chapter one makes it very, very clear that in the beginning was God and and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was with God and was God in the beginning. Jesus always was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No beginning, no end. They always were Father, Son, the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what in theology we actually call this a Christophany. And it's a Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a little bit different, but there's also called it, there's also theophanies in the Old Testament. An Old Testament appearance of God himself. Moses, when God spoke to him from the burning bush, that's called a theophany. That was the Father God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. A Christophany, that's the... Angel of the Lord here over and over. And I'll show you real clearly in just a minute how this could not have been just an angel. This was actually Jesus because of the way that Joshua responded to this angel of the Lord, the commander of the hosts of the armies of the Lord. Some of you know some of the stories other times that that Jesus actually, it's, it's Christophany, appears in the Old Testament. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar throws three of the Jewish children into the fiery furnace to kill them because they wouldn't bow down to the idols. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and he goes, I thought we threw three people into the fiery furnace. And the soldiers say we did. He goes, but there's a fourth person in the furnace. Who is that fourth person? It was Jesus Christ, a Christophany, a pre incarnate Old Testament appearance of Jesus himself. And so this general here that Joshua encounters before the battle of Jericho, this is actually Jesus himself. Think about it for just a minute. What is Joshua's response? Joshua falls down and worships this angel, which would be complete blasphemy if he was just an angel. I think angels are really cool. I, 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 I had to take a whole semester class on angels and demons in Bible college. Boy, that was really fun. But uh, uh, especially the demon part was just wonderful. It was so exciting. But uh, I, I think the study of angels is, is really, really cool. In fact, I think if we could just kind of like peel back the curtain to oh, this room is full of angels right now, if we could really see it. I think it's not only full of angels, I think there's also some demons in this room. Don't look at the person sitting next to you right now. Not a good time to do that. Don't elbow your spouse. Not, not a good time to do that. The Bible makes it very clear that there are there spiritual beings all around us all the time. That, that, that we're so limited in what we can see uh, and what we can experience with our own uh, senses. But this angel, think about it for just a minute. When, when, when Joshua falls down and worships, This angel says to him, not stop, says continue, and by the way, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. It wasn't holy because Joshua was standing there. It was holy because this angel of the Lord was standing there because this was Jesus. It's the exact same thing that God the Father said in the burning bush to Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. This general was actually Jesus. There's one person in the Godhead, the Son of God, whose specialty is to come to you and and to come to me and also be the channel between us and our Heavenly Father. That's what we're going to celebrate this Christmas when, when God came to us through Jesus Christ, His Son. Do, do you see that? That, that? that Jesus not only is the Lord, but he's also the way to the Lord. In fact, look at it again. The similarities, it's like this is on repeat. In, in Exodus chapter 3, I already mentioned it, when, when God speaks to Moses and says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. If an angel had said this, this would be blasphemy coming from an angel. If an angel allows himself to be worshiped and is not God himself, then that's complete blasphemy and heresy as well. But this general is actually Jesus. In fact, uh, and, and I jumped my nose, but let's look at it, Josh, if you just go back to Revelation chapter 22, verse eight and nine. Look at the last book of the Bible, an encounter that John the apostle had with an angel, and he fell down and worshiped the angel. This really was an angel, and look at how the angel rebuked him. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and then seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not, Uh, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. So the angel's like, get up. Don't, 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 don't do that. You get up. Don't worship me. I'm just an angel. But this angel, this angel of the Lord, before Joshua said, uh, yeah, stay down in the dust and worship me. And by the way, take your shoes off because where you're standing is holy. This general was actually Jesus. Joshua thought it may be a moment, but he didn't realize the magnitude of the moment that he was experiencing right at that time. This general was actually Jesus. The second point, that's the most theological of the three today. The second point is Jesus is absolutely holy. He's absolutely holy. What, what is the, what's the holiness of God? Let me see if I can explain it. If you were to uh, invite me over to your house for dinner tonight, and no thank you, I already have plans. But if you were to do that, <laughs> and if you were to say to me, uh, you know, I, I, want, I want Greg to come to dinner, but can you leave Williamson at home? I'm like, then I'm not coming to dinner because I'm Greg Williamson. You you can't split me up. I I think there's so many times when it comes to Jesus, we try to split who he really is up. We we like Jesus our savior. We like Jesus the the, the one who died for us. We we like Jesus the one who healed the sick. We like Jesus who opened the eyes of the blind. We like Jesus who's merciful. We like Jesus who's gracious. But do you know in the description of, of God himself, There's only one quality or characteristic of God that is repeated to the third power. It's not God is good, good, good. God is love, love, love. God is forgiving, forgiving, forgiving over and over throughout the Bible when it shows different times that the worship of God on the throne, the angels and the living creatures and the elders there uh, in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, in Revelation say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In fact, they repeat that over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy over and over. night and day, day and night, week after week, month after month, year after year, for all eternity. Holy, holy, holy. And there's something about the holiness of Jesus that makes us very uncomfortable. Because if he's holy, if he's almighty, that means he refuses to sit in the back seat of our life. See, so many of us are like, I'd like Jesus, my Savior, to come into my life, but not Jesus, the Lord. Then we can't have him at all. Because he is Savior and he is Lord. If we say, Jesus, come to my house, just just leave the Lord thing at home. Just, Just leave that master thing. I don't want anything to do with that. He's like, well, then I'm not your Savior either. Just like if you invited me to your house and said, you know, Greg come, but leave the Williamson at home. I I can't come then. You can't split Jesus in two. He's savior and he is Lord. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how powerful that Jesus is. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Do you realize what that's saying? Jesus is holding your body together right now just by the power of his word. All he has to do is say, done. You'd completely disintegrate. That's how powerful he is. Jesus is holding this whole world, everything we see is held together by just His word. He's not even having to lift a finger. He's holy. He's completely other than us. He's almighty. And he says, "I'm not going to sit in the back seat of your life. I've got to be first or I'm nothing." In other words, he's, not saying, he, he's literally saying, I, I'm not just here to, to have one hour of your week on a Sunday. I, I have to be the center of your life. I, I'm not just your Savior, I am your, but I'm your Lord also. I, I remember when I was a kid, there was a real popular uh, bumper sticker that, that a lot of Christians put on their car. God is my co-pilot, or Jesus is my co-pilot. What absolute heresy is that? See, see, if if he holds everything together by the power of his word, this is not the kind of guy to be your personal assistant. He's not the vice president of your world. He's not your co-pilot. He's like, I have to be in the driver's seat or I'm not getting in the car. That's who this is. Let me ask you a question today. Is Jesus just your Savior, or is he your Lord? Because if he's not our Lord, he's not even our Savior. If he's not the center, if he's not the number one priority, then he's not in our life, really. Jesus, this is a general, and Jesus, the general is Jesus, and Jesus is holy. Joshua asked him, are you for us or against us? And he's like, you do not know what you're talking about, son. He's like, the big question is really this. Are you for me? Are you on my side, not am I on yours? Are you on Jesus' side? So, So that your response, just like Joshua's, command me this day, whatever you ask, and I'll do it. That's Jesus' Lord. And that was Joshua's response. Here's the third thing, and I think the most practical for you and for me. Jesus has a drawn sword. Jesus has a drawn sword. In fact, so do I today. Now think about this for just a minute. When Joshua sees this, it's not that he sees this warrior standing there and the sword is in the sheath. No warrior would ever draw a sword unless he was going to use it. He sees the captain of the angel, the angel of the captain of the Lord's army, and the sword is drawn. You know what that reminds me of? You remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, and after God said, Because you sinned, you have to leave the garden? And they left the garden and it says that God posted an angel at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword so no one could ever enter there again. That 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 angel would strike down anyone that ever tried to enter into that garden again. But now the angel of the Lord Jesus shows up and he's got a drawn sword. Now here's the big question I think for you and for me. Why didn't he lay out Joshua with that sword? His sword was drawn. Why didn't the sword come down on Joshua? His sword is drawn. A warrior doesn't use a sword, doesn't pull his sword out unless he's going to use it. Why didn't the sword come down on Joshua? I I think to understand this a little bit better, we need to go back to Genesis chapter 15 where, where God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, through you, you're gonna you'd be the father of many nations, and through you all the, the people of the earth are gonna be blessed. And then he cut a covenant with Abraham. And in those days of biblical times, the way they would cut a covenant, they would take like a sheep or goat, sometimes a cow, and they'd literally slice it right down the middle. Not in half, not, not in the middle, but literally straight down the middle. And they'd let it fall open on either side, and then it would pool blood in between. And the two parties that were making covenant would literally walk back and forth between the, the, the carcasses split in middle with, with all the blood, and they would make vows to one another. And the vow was before God and basically saying, if I break my vow, then may God do to me what we've done to this animal. May God strike me right down the middle. That was how covenant was made. By the way, just a little side note. Didn't say this at nine, but this is for you guys because I love you more anyway. When a bride comes down the aisle in a wedding, that is actually considered the covenant that's being made. The families are on either side, and that is actually traditionally called the walk of death. With the idea that there's a covenant that's being made, and if that covenant is ever broken, may God strike me down. That's the symbolism in a wedding to this day. To this day, it's covenant. And so God puts Abraham to sleep and, and God himself walks between those two pieces of that animal split down the middle in Genesis chapter 15. And Abraham kind of wakes up at one moment, you can read it for yourself in Genesis 15, and he sees a lantern going back and forth. That's a theophany, that's, that's an appearance of God the Father who's making covenant, swearing by him, his own self. In other words, like, it's not up to you, Abraham, to obey the the vows here. I'm making a vow that is immutable, it's unchangeable. I'm making a vow to myself, by myself. Why was it the sword didn't come down upon Joshua? Because the angel of the Lord, this Christophany, Jesus himself, actually fell on his own sword. He fell on his own sword for you. He fell on his own sword for me. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loved me. That's how much he loved Joshua. One time religious leaders came to Jesus and they asked him, tell us what's the greatest of all the commandments in the Old Testament. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He said, That's what God expects out of you. What we fail to realize and comprehend so many times is this. Look at the cross of Jesus Christ because he showed how much he loved you, he loved you with all of his heart. He loves you with all of his soul. He loves you with all of his mind. And he loves you with all of his strength. In essence, the angel of the Lord fell upon his own sword out of love for you and love for me. And what he asked for us in return is to love him back the way that he first loved us with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's what Joshua encountered that day. And it changed his life forever. That's why when when God gave him the download of the battle plan that seemed so silly, so ridiculous, he was like, I'm gonna do it. Exactly the way God said. Because this encounter with with Jesus, with the angel of the Lord, changed him forever. May the encounter of the presence of God change you and me forever. Likewise as well. I'm going to ask would you bow your heads with me right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that even when we lack courage, that, Lord, you still believe in us. That by the cross it shows us how much you love us. By going under the sword, your son, God himself, Jesus, demonstrated that he loved each and every one of us with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, and with all of his mind. Lord, may we love you back just like that. Not to be our co-pilot, not to sit in the back seat, but Father, that he would drive, that he would be number one. And Lord, may we worship Jesus. And just as Joshua said, tell me what the Lord commands, and I will do it. Father, today may we choose not to embrace fear and how you guide us and direct us, but Lord, may we choose to walk in faith just like Joshua chose and he experienced all the blessings and all the promises fulfilled that you had spoken into his life and into Israel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.